causing us to cross their path, Lord, that they have destiny intersections, Lord, that'll move us forward into the things that you have caused us to do and to be in the name of Jesus. Now say this with me, Heavenly Father, your word says, if I lack wisdom, I should ask you in faith without wavering and that you would give it liberally without fault finding. I ask now for that wisdom and I believe that I receive it. And I say with my Lord Jesus that I must be about my father's business. Thank you for giving me your insight into my kingdom success. In Jesus' name, I pray expecting, amen. Now say this with me, I am a believer of the word of God. I am an epistle of the spirit of God. I am a disciple of my man of God. I am a finder of the destiny path of God for my life. Amen, amen, amen. We're continuing on dynamics of destiny relationships. I think we have our online audience and um, by the heading that popped up on my iPad, this is part eight. I didn't keep track of that, but my media team is, and so I appreciate that. Thank you for joining us. Again, we'll have some insights. Uh, this is definitely fresh revelation. We gave some insights last time that we'll review. Um, looking at um, Ephesians chapter 5, which is a very common passage of Scripture, tying it to John 17, which is an uncommon um, passage of Scripture in terms of marriage um, discussions and relationship discussions. And then uh, we went into Song of Solomon. Yes, we actually preached Song of Solomon, and it was some good preaching. I'm going to do a little bit more of that today. I'm going to actually tell you how I got started on this. And when the Lord actually showed some of these things to me, they were very um, life-changing for me. And I believe that wherever you are, they will be life-changing for you as well. Dynamics of Destiny Relationships. We have four objectives for this series. We said number one is to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. I, I all my relationships, not all of them are, are, um, quote unquote, just spiritual relationships. I'm more than the person I am at church. I'm, you know, I, I interact with people in my neighborhood and, um, I keep, when I hear that, I hear that Mr. Rogers, these are the people in your neighborhood, you know? Um, so they're just natural relationships, but even those, Right. I want to make sure that if you catch me on a bad day, that I still don't do anything that would hinder somebody from coming to know Jesus as the Lord of their life. Okay. Number two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships. Then we also want to tell you about the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And each one of those words is is important but think about that a relationship has a foundation that it is built upon that it must be maintained but relationships should grow over time i am very intentional this year the lord has challenged me to take my marriage to another level he has specifically challenged me and so uh I attended, I drove to lady nedra and i drove, drove to grand rapids on saturday just for the purpose of um, attending a, a, a marriage seminar, and we got another one on the books in April. Now, we're not doing bad. I'm not, I'm not on life support, believe me, okay? But as good as it is, it can still get better, and that's the mindset we should have in every relationship as believers. It should never, good enough is never good enough. We go from faith to faith. We go from glory to glory. As soon as you get one thing down, God says, you know what? That's good. Now let's do it again. Let's take it to the next level. And that should be our mindset. Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from God's perspective. Yes, relationships are spiritual, natural, and social. 
And when we come to marriage, which is the core of what I'm dealing with now as a relationship, it's all three. It's not just spiritual, but it is spiritual, right? It is spiritual, but it, it's not just natural, but it is natural. Yeah, you, you know, somebody, you got to do chores. There's got to be a division of labor in the home. Okay. And um, you can't just pawn off to all of the stuff you don't want to do. She ought to do all of that because I don't want to. What? Right? <laughs> so uh, it's not agreement if we both don't agree. Right? So, so it's natural and it's a social relationship. Okay? There should be some fun in it. Fun, fun, F-U-N. You know, people used to, old school holiness didn't think you could have fun. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, I, I would say, I would go out and do stuff with Lady Nedra, and I'd be like, God, are we still cool? You know, because all of my teaching was like, listen, if it was fun, it must be sinful. And faith comes by hearing. I mean, if that's all you heard, that's, that's what you believe. Now, I, <laughs> people laughed at me when I told them at uh, Lady Nedra's birthday party that, um, you know, the first time I danced with her, I was like, I was waiting for the, you know, the lightning bolt to strike me down. But I had, you know, that was my teaching and faith comes by what you hear over and over. And I heard it over and over again. So my faith was at a certain level. You know, don't judge me. That's just where I was. That's what I was hearing. Okay. And so, but then the Lord began to tell me, no, some social part, this relationship has a social aspect. Can't be Bible study all the time. Nothing wrong with Bible study. That's good, right? If it's Bible study, none of the time something's wrong, okay? But then there's other times and other pieces of your relationship that you also must develop to, to um, build it, to maintain it, and enhance it. And then number, finally, number four, to motivate you to be more intentional on your relational roles at every level for relational success. And I remind you just that John 1, 17 says, the law came through Moses, grace and truth came through um, Jesus Christ, that our relationship, that the dispensation we live is a dispensation that has grace and truth, okay? So I can't, I can't take the grace of God without dealing with the truth of God. They go together in this dispensation. And one of the challenges that we have in our, in our day is that there's whole church movements that's built on grace without truth. And we are saying that those things go together. All right. So then I gave you a, a key statement, um, and I'm going to deal with both of them today. Key statement is, is that there's a grace to be either magnificently married or successfully single. Right. And, um, it's interesting, but uh, to me, that how these things, how the Lord really walked those things out of my life, it was in the singlehood that he began to teach me about marriage. That didn't make sense. You know, you don't want to go ready, shoot, aim. Because it's hard to change the tires at 60 miles an hour. And a lot of times what people do is they wait until they get in the groove, and then they start trying to figure out what we're going to do. Now, and you can do it that way, but as I've said before, it's hard to build a house in a hurricane. You can, you can do it that way, and you can make it work and turn around, but that was not the way God intended it. He intended for you to mature in your single life, that you find a destiny partner who is equally spiritually mature, that you have clarity on who you are as an individual so that, um, so that marriage could become one times one equals one because God doesn't multiply fractions is the way I like to say it. Why? Because if you have, you're not fully whole, half times a half actually gets smaller, not bigger. Okay. So um, here's a passage of scripture that um, we dealt with last week, and I'm just going to review pieces of this. I'm going to just review my quick points, five through eight from this. It says, husbands, love your wives. Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, 
not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So ought, husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. All right? And just for the sake of review, I have quick points, but I'm not going through my whole list, my wind-up list. I'm going to just give you the five through eight. Um, God expects a husband to use his position of authority to demonstrate love for his wife in the same way as Christ does the church. So do I love Lady Nedra enough? The standard that I use can't be, well, I'm doing better than everybody else. We are right. That can't be the standard because that's not what he said. Love your wife as uh, make sure you're just better. If we were grading on the curve, make sure you're the top of your class. That's not what he said. He said that the standard that I use is Christ's love for the church. All right. That's a, that means it's an ever-growing standard. As soon as I get to one level, Christ's going up the game because he is the epitome of perfection. Somebody say amen if you get that. All right. Number six, the husband's love ministry to his wife is designed to fix her character deficits. Wash and sanctify her right? Through the washing of water by the word. So he said, sanctify and cleanse is the actual language that he sets her apart from the world. That's what sanctify means. And then finds things that are wrong and fixes it, cleanses it, cleans it up through the word. Now, um, so my, my responsibility as a husband is to find the issues and seek God on how to be to minister to my wife such that those issues are eliminated from her life. Wow, good preaching, Pastor David. That's what that said. Yes, that's exactly what that said, right? Amen. Now, the um, so then the question comes: this ministry of, of washing is with words. So the question that you have to answer as a husband is. Do my words wash or do they wound? Proverbs talks about that there are words that wound. Okay? And so you want to make sure that the words that are coming out of your mouth are washing words, not wounding words. And the, the, the other implication of this washing of water, in the Greek, this word is like a rain cloud. That means... That just because you have a certain word doesn't mean it's always the right time to say it. Because an ill-spoken word will hang around like a 40-year mortgage. And just when you're about to pay it off, a balloon note comes at the end. It's like, I remember when you said such and such and such and such. And then it starts all over again. Jesus, Lord, help me, Lord. Okay, so... Uh, it's better to make sure you well-time that word than to say something wrong at, at the wrong time, okay? Just watch your mouth. Brothers, just watch your mouth. Timing has a lot to do with the outcome of a rain dance. <laughs> okay, so whatever, whatever you feel like, I just got to get this off my chest right now. Just pump your brakes, just... You're not even in the right. You're not even in the right. See, that's not, whatever you said then, she's she not under that cloud. It's not going to wash. I'm just saying. Pastor trying to help you. Pastor trying to help you. Okay? All right. Um, number seven, the husband is the primary beneficiary of this love ministry. He should see it as extended self-care. Nourish. He feeds her. Right? Feeds her. Uh, excuse me, it's self-care because he that loves him's wife loves himself, right? He does all of this ministry to her so that he might present her to himself. All right, so um, even though you're doing all of this ministry, when you do it right, the primary beneficiary is you. So you should be highly motivated to be good at this thing because the better you, the better you, are good at giving this ministry, the better you're good, you're, you'll get at receiving from it. Amen? 
And then finally, the husband should nourish and cherish. Nourish is to feed and cause to grow, to supply with nutrients. Okay? Feed your words should feed and cause to grow. Right? Jesus, uh, we, we're... Um, all those that were here, um, and if you aren't here, you still got to take the test, in Jesus' name. Um, uh, we had our foundations test on the word, and we talked about the word being alive, the word being powerful, the word being authority, the word being food. Okay, so God's word is food. All right. Then if I'm going to nourish her, then she should hear God's word coming out of my mouth because God's word coming from me to her should feed her according to the word of God. Okay? I should nourish. And then the second is cherish, to treat with tenderness and affection. To treat with tenderness and affection to get warmth, ease, or comfort to. Ah, oh, so I'm signing up to, to um, do things uncomfortable to me to make her comfortable. Ah, that's what it means to be a husband. That, now that makes sense because that's what Jesus did, didn't he? He did something uncomfortable to him on the cross to make me more comfortable. Okay, so these are all the things that I, these are just revelations that come out of husbands loving his wife as Christ loved the church. Okay. So um, just for some points for review, we said last week, love is first spiritual. So real love can be a, um, demonstrated in how you give account to God for the wife he gave you and how you, um, how you pray over her. So intercessory prayer is the highest form of love, right? Because now I, um, intercession is going to the one who has the answer on behalf of the one who has the need. So because God has the most answers and you are in the position to see the most needs, that intercessory ministry then is the highest form of love for your wife. That's why we're spending all that time in men of destiny prayer. Because I want men to know how to really, really love their wives through their prayer. To, to, to love spiritually. Amen? Okay. So, um, Jesus said some things in John 17 that we saw as an aspect of his love walk with us as his church as a way to show how a husband should then speak over his wife in prayer as Jesus modeled it. So, Jesus in his prayer in John 17 described that out of all the people in the world, God gave him the church that we might experience eternal life. He also described how he transformed himself so that we can experience eternal life. And I told him last week that, you know, Jesus used to be pre-incarnate, a spirit like God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, but he took on a body. He became something different so that we could become something different. And the transformation he made is permanent. He's never going back to what he was before. Sacrifice and burnt offering, God, you don't desire, but you have prepared for me, Jesus said, a body. And the marks that he took on in his hand, in his side, and the thorns around his head, in his feet, he will carry those marks throughout eternity. They are his love marks for us. All right? So, all right, so that's another point. Further, in the Garden of Gethsemane, we saw Jesus praying intensely while his disciples slept and woke. So my statement out of this is, out of all the women in the world, God, you gave me Nedra so that she could experience eternal life. God, this is how I am transforming myself so that she can become all you created her to be. And then I said, Nedra should go to bed and wake up hearing me call her name out to God, because that's what the disciples did when they were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Ah, then we also said that because Jesus ever lives to make intercessor intercession for the church, that as long as a husband is a wife is alive, he should be praying and interceding 
for God's benefits to his wife. Amen. All righty. Good stuff. All right. Second Timothy. John's going to give me some scriptures on the screen. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. We talked about this last week before we went into some, some new ground. So I'm going to start there again. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And it says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture means all scripture. All means all. That's not a super deep revelation, but sometimes people... Um, leave out parts of the all scripture and think that they will be completely furnished for every good work that God has assigned them to. And I said that uh, my statement last week is we believe this is true with the exception of two books. One is the book of Revelation. And the other one is Song of Solomon. Book of Revelation because I don't understand it. I get so scared. But at the beginning of the book of Revelation, it says blessed are those that read this book. So it starts off with a blessing. So it can't be as scary as people have made it out to be, right? So, um, and um, I'm, setting that, I'm setting that point just out there because later on in the year, I'm going to come back to that, all right? And we're going to go back and, and deal with some of that as well. Then the other book is that, that people don't necessarily apply all, all scripture to being profitable, profitable so that the man of God can be completely matured and effective at every God-given assignment, which is the good work, is the book Song of Solomon. Now, Song of Solomon has great revelation on biblical love in marriage, and especially about biblical love in marriage starting with words. Starting with words. And one of my challenges is in the way that we have in the church with all of our spiritual super deep stuff, we haven't taken the word and taught men from scripture to pursue their wives with their words. And because they haven't heard it, they haven't believed it. Because they haven't believed it, faith hadn't come. They hadn't, <laughs> you know, this is, this is Romans 10 where it says, okay, you know, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. And then it says, with the, with the um, heart, you believe to righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto, right? And then it says, whosoever believeth on the Lord shall not be ashamed. The Lord is rich to all who call on him. How can they call on him in whom they've not believed? How can they believe on him in whom they've not heard? Um, how can they hear except they be a preacher? How can one preach except he be sent? And then it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Remember how we walk all of that down? So if there is a passage of scripture that is God sent to help the man of God be complete and mature to a good work, and nobody has walked through that process enough to preach it and be sent to preach it by God, then we should not be surprised when people are failing in this area. And, and here's, here's the bad part is um, this is one of those things where Jesus made a statement in Luke 16 where he says the children of the world are wiser and then their generation than the children of life. People that want to sin know how to use their tongue to, to, to seduce ladies. You don't have to say, man, I know I'm preaching good, right? But they do, don't they? People that's, on, that's trying to do wrong, man, they, they, they talk a really good game, okay? And then the person that want to do right, see, this is, I'm telling y'all how God talked to me. He's like, bruh, 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 bruh. Let's see, I know. In the King David version, you know, it doesn't, in the King James version, it, it just says these and thou's. But in the King David, bro, 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 let me help you help. Let me just let you read this. 
Do you see how he's talking to her? You're going to have to talk better than you talk it. You can't just turn over and say, wake up, I'm ready. That went over somebody's head. But it's okay. <laughs> You're going to have to say something. You're going to have to open your mouth and say something. That he wants to hear. But the word of God is clearly saying that. But because we haven't preached it, when people got saved, they thought they, you, you know how I told you about, you know, that, that dancing thing, it was a social thing. And because it was social, right, I thought I could just praise dance, you know, because I could shout and I had my high knee shout, right? The kids used to talk about me, didn't they, John? Yeah, they used to talk about my, my, my praise dance at church. I just thought that was all you could do. You did something else, man. God, God going to strike you down. Bam. But then same, same way I thought about that, people thought about how they were used to talk before they got saved. And then they said, I got saved. I threw all of that out. Man, she still like to hear you tell her she look good. Okay? And so that's a key important part of scripture. So today, you know, last week I showed you in Song of Solomon chapter one, and then we walked it all the way down to the last chapter, how um, Solomon's black wife, I showed you in the scripture last week, just go back and listen to it. And the scripture says she was dark and lovely. Did, didn't y'all read that? Y'all read, read the words on the screen. That's what the new King James. See, dark and lovely didn't come out of uh, Maybelline. All right. Um, that she was nurtured out of her poor self-image by the courting, the courtship of her husband. Now, today I'm going to show you how I began to get revelation, how, how I began to get this revelation out of the Song of Solomon. I'm going to show you exactly how the Lord started to open up to me. And in the next, um, in our next session, then we'll talk about the nuances of, of intimacy that you can see in that passage of scripture. Because I'm going to tell you, you start to look at it and God like open it up to you. You start to see stuff you'll never, I was like, Lord, I mean, he, he just started to show me stuff. He's like, okay, I'm gonna give you an example. Just one of them. And one of, and one of the ones, Song of Solomon, it said, hey, even though we live in Jerusalem, come on, let's go away to Lebanon. Oh, you got to take her on vacation? Now, see, I didn't know that, y'all. Now, now, that sounds super deep. I mean, I mean, that sounds, excuse me, doesn't sound deep. That sounds super simple. But Solomon had a really nice house. He had a palace. The Bible tells us that. Even though he had a palace, she wanted to go on vacation. And he said, come on, let's go. I'm just saying, now... I started walk through this thing, and the Lord started to just tell me, these are all of the things you need to know. And I was like, Lord, I didn't know that. I, I didn't know. I just, so we just, supposed to just, you know, go to work and come back home, pay bills. Nope, nope, it's more than that. Okay? All right, so these are revelations that we'll get as we, as we um, go into this a little further. Now, Joshua 1 and 8, reading that out of the New King James Version. And it says... This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, that's the key word, in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. So meditation. All right. So when people say, Pastor David, man, you know, I, I read a scripture, and then all of a sudden, man, you, you see that same scripture, and you see stuff I didn't see. How did you get all that out? Most of it comes out because I go over that thing and I meditate it. And people, most people study, but don't know how to meditate. Okay, so let's, some keys there. I got a couple key statements. First of all, key statement number one is that biblical meditation is a God-ordained, mind-altering substance. Biblical meditation is a God-ordained, mind-altering substance. God told Joshua, the book won't depart from your mouth. So meditation has to do with what you verbalize, okay? But you're verbalizing it for the purpose, like, 
Like there is a time when I'm speaking, but I'm speaking to the mountain. Meditation is not really me speaking to the mountain. I'm speaking to myself, right? If I'm meditating, let's say I'm facing a physical challenge and I'm meditating on the scripture that says, Jesus was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, a chastisement needful for me to obtain peace was laid upon him and with his stripes, I'm healed. Or as it says in First Peter, I was healed by whose stripes we were healed, all right? Now, before I can start talking to the sickness, I need to talk to myself until I change the image. Remember, we talked about that on the inside of us. So I verbalize it first for, for the purpose of changing my visualization, okay? And so meditation is me verbalizing. This book should not depart out of my mouth, and then I will observe, I will see how to do it. I will observe to do it. I will say it until I can see myself in it. Because I could be saying all the right words. Somebody asked me, I'm blessed. I'm blessed, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. But inside, you still, have you ever, have you ever heard people and they, they're saying all of the right words, but you can tell that, that on the inside, you know, and then I've been that person myself. I've been angry at people, but I'm not angry at them. I'm really just angry at me because I don't see myself with it yet. And so I'm just trying to say it out of desperation. As if my desperation will move God and move my situation. But meditation is me actually digesting ingesting and digesting that word until I actually see it alive in me, okay? Now, the key statement number two. Key statement number two says that verbalization plus visualization, this is a formula, I'm an engineer, equals biblical meditation. Verbalization, that's me saying it, but not just saying something, I could say something, but if it's biblical meditation, I'm saying I'm speaking the word. But I'm saying it with the intention of seeing myself in it. And I'm saying it until it becomes the dominant image within me. Now, how many times do I have to say it until I can really see it? That's that. How many licks does it take to get to a center of a tootsie roll, tootsie pop? How long will it take for me to keep saying that thing until it actually gets to the point that I can see it? I don't know, but I have no other life to live. I have no other place to go. I'm going to just keep saying it. And if I have to say it today and then come back and say it tomorrow because the image didn't stick, I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep looking at that scripture and keep saying it. I'm going to take notes on it. I'm going to... I'm going to keep doing it. Why? Because, listen, I have no other life to live. This is all I got, so I better, I better make this thing happen, okay? So um, let me give you um, an example of how, as a single man, I used meditation to keep me on the straight and narrow, all right? So Proverbs chapter 7, I'm actually going to walk you through the whole um, passage of Scripture. And it's really a good one here. But I want you to, for the purpose that we're talking about, I don't want you just to read it. I want you to read it and then see the word pictures that are there. Look for the word pictures. Look for the things where it make, tells you to say stuff and then look for what it tells you to see. Okay? Proverbs chapter 7. And it says, my son, keep my words, treasure my commands within you. First of all, uh, it says, take my words and store them in your heart. You know, that sounds like the word abiding in me. Okay, go on to, to number two, John. Keep my commands and live my law as the apple of your eye. Keep my commands and live my law as the apple of your eye. Go on to verse three. 
Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Oh, I write them by speaking them in to the point that they come out automatically. Verse 4, say to wisdom, now he's giving you a confession. He is giving you a confession. He is saying, say this. Now, people read it, but they don't say it. That's one of my problems. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. If it says, say it, open your mouth and say it. Okay? Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, or kinswoman is the way it says in the King James, that they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. In the King James, it talks about the strange woman. So I said, okay, there is this confession I need to make to stay out of sexual sin, right? I'm going to say this because the Bible tells me to say it. Okay, go on to verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice, this is Solomon speaking, and I saw among the simple. I saw among the simple. Solomon said, I can look at a person across a distance from my high-rise apartment, and I can look at them before they did anything, before they said anything, and I can look at them and tell them that they was a fool. He has so much wisdom in him that he could just look at you from a distance. Before you did anything, before you said anything, he said, you know what? That's a fool right there. I said, Lord. I mean, God started to show me. Why? Because I'm meditating him standing on a tower looking across and says, that dude right there is a fool. I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. Ah, okay. So remember now. Proverbs chapter 1 says that the Proverbs are designed to make the, the simple to turn into wise, to the young to come to be matured in knowledge and understanding. And he says, I see this young man. I see, I see he's cruising for a bruising. That's what I'm seeing. Verse, go on to the next one. Passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. Whose house? The strange woman's house. So clearly... Now, this is, this is Pastor David in his single mind going through this. Everybody knew she was loose because they knew where she lived. Everybody knew where Sister Good Time was. Okay? So Solomon said, first of all, this dude is hanging out. He's looking for love in all the wrong places. He's going places that he shouldn't be, right? So you got to see that there's all these places, all these streets in town, and he went by her house. So the Lord's talking to me, said, okay, here's one way you stay out of trouble. Stay, stay away from her house. See how the meditation is starting to work? Okay, go on, John. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. Oh, not only did he go at the wrong place, he went at the wrong time. He, he outpassed curfew. He should be home, but it's too late, and he's hanging out at the wrong place at the wrong time. Houdini was right. Freaks come out at night. I'm just saying. <laughs> That might be before your time, Minister John. It might be before your time, okay? <laughs> but stuff happens at night that should, you don't need, you need to be home. See, this is wisdom. We talking wisdom now. We talking wisdom. You need to be home. That's what that's telling me. Okay? It's telling me that there are certain places I don't need to be, and there are certain times I don't need to be there. All right, go on to verse 10, John. And it says, and there met a woman, there a woman met him with the attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Okay, so he is saying she's dressed showing stuff. She's there's stuff showing. Now, see, listen, your pastor is not one of these people to say, you got to come in. And you got to be all ugly and with no makeup and dress all the way down, you know, dragging the ground so much that your dress get dirty walking through the snow. I'm not that dude. I, I mean, there's pastors that are. I'm just telling you, I'm not. I'm not him. 
But the Bible tells me that there is a thing called an attire of a harlot. There is stuff that is showing for the purpose of getting an arousal and attention among the men that are in the congregation. Okay? And so that we, we are, even though we're not going to put a bunch of rules and regulations, if we see you stepping out, somebody, I may, I may uh, you know, designate Minister Eva to be the person that kind of does that stuff for me, but somebody going to get to you and tell you, that's not really how we roll up in here, okay? I'm just saying, because the Bible says it, all right? Going back. Now, she is crafty of heart. She was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. Oh, okay, so there's a heart issue that then begins to manifest in her life. All right, loud and rebellious. She won't deal uh, with spiritual authority the right way. She won't deal with authority, and she just... Okay, he says she was loud. That means she wanted to be the life of the party. Okay? Some people are like, you know, <laughs> I'm going to give myself a chum. I go there. <laughs> but you understand what you understand? The, he's creating a word picture. He's creating a profile, right? Um, if you've ever seen like where there was a, um, a person who was trying to describe a perpetrator and then a, a person paints a picture. He's painting a picture of a specific type of perpetrator. Now, if you meditate this long enough, when somebody comes up that fits that profile, all your warning signals gonna start going off saying, danger, Will Robinson. Remember, lost in space, danger, danger. If, if you see this enough, because this is what happened to me, I would study this stuff, and then when situations would arise, like the scriptures, the pictures that was in my head through meditation would start playing back and saying, this will get you in trouble if you stay here. Don't, don't believe the hype. I know they're making you feel good about how they're talking to you, but this picture in my head is going off telling me, if you stay here, you're going to get in trouble. All right? Um, that was verse, which verse was that? 11, verse 12. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking, lurking, like, like, a, like a predator, like a perpetrator, lurking at every corner. Verse 13, so she caught him because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time. If he was, see, if there's enough distance, stuff can't happen. I know they're talking about phone sex, but ain't no real sex happening over the phone. I'm just saying. Okay, but because he's in the wrong place at the wrong time, stuff's happening. She caught him and kissed him with an impudence. That means she's brazen. She don't really care. She said to him, verse 14, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. Wait, 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 wait. Peace offerings meant you went to church. Peace offerings meant that... Um, you had given at the house of God and uh, you had the leftovers from that. You paid your vows. You, 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 you had some offerings. Oh, oh, so you mean you could find a strange woman in church. That's what that just said to me. That means every church girl ain't a good girl. That's, these are all the lessons the Lord was teaching me. Just me meditating one scripture. I'm just teaching you how I did it. And he's showing me that I'm saying it until I can see it. Okay, because if I say it until I can see it, when stuff comes up, the, the profile picture will pop up in my head and start telling me, this is the one I've been talking to you about, David. Keep going. So I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face, and I found you. Wait, wait, wait. How did you find me? You found me because I was in the wrong place. You weren't just looking for me. You were just looking for somebody. And I came by looking like the sucker that I am. <laughs> right? That's what she said. She said, I came diligently to find you, and I found you. No, 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 you no. You were looking for somebody, and I just happened to be the first somebody to go by. All right? Go on to the next one, John. I have spread my bed with tapestry. Now, now, here, 
we're going to see some of the same imagery that we see in Song of Solomon here to the negative, Song of Solomon to the positive. Okay? So here, she's going to talk about, hey, man, my bed is smelling good. I mean, it's looking good. Everything is everything. It's all, I, I got it right. I done made the environment right. Now, the same thing is in Song of Solomon. The same thing. In other words, see, see, I learned, I thought, okay, because I had studied it in a negative that I didn't have to do nothing, right? Because you know what I'm saying, right? I learned all of this stuff. On the negative side, but because I didn't see it on the positive side, I just thought, hey, you know, no, no, no. It's all got to be, you know, even my intimate time has to be holy. All the lights got to be up and on. And, you know, <laughs> we got to sing gospel music. And, you know, what I'm, I'm just saying all of these things, you see. But, but now, now listen, these words were used. And so she was using this to be seductive. But remember, relationships have two directions. There is a negative, but Satan, you don't imitate a $3 bill because there's no real $3 bill. So Satan is using the strange woman to counterfeit for the godly spouse and husband. All right, go back to that, that verse, John. All right, so I have spread my bed with tapestry, color coverings of Egyptian linen, so she made the place look good. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. So it looks good and it smells good. Keep going, all right? So she had her peace offering, so there was, there, was, there was food, there was sight, and there was smell. And then she touched him, right, because she grabbed him, and then she, he, she kissed him. That means he tasted her too. So she was doing, she, he was going after all five senses. She was in full Mac attack, baby. She was, she, she was break. She came, she came with her A game. She came ready. Okay. Oh, she, she, she came. She, hey, she, she was, she was, she came for keeps. She was not playing. She came ready to win, didn't she? Right. Now she was going after it, after the wrong thing, but she went full in. All right, go on to the next verse, John. Come, let us take our fill of love unto morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. For my husband is not at home. Now, in the King James Version, it calls the husband a good man. Oh, so just because you good don't mean that the person that you with want to stay. She's rebellious. We've already, we've already determined that. Okay, keep going. My husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money and will come home on the appointed day. So she's painting a picture. You know, that was that Luther Vandross. Okay, let me love you tight. Only, if only just for one night. Just, if only for one night. Okay, he said, I got, I got some time. He, he ain't coming home. We can chill for a minute. It's going to be all right. Keep going. He's taking a bag of money, come back on an appointed day. With her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Now, the King James Version says, with her flattery, she forced him. It says she took, she took something that seemed soft and did something that was hard. So for me, I'm meditating this over and over, and I'm saying, okay, flattery can force. You know, other place in Proverbs, it said a soft word, a soft tongue can break bone. So just because your words sound soft don't mean you ain't trying to hurt me. Right? These are revelations that you get when you meditate. Keep going. Immediately he went after her. Now, here's the word pictures. God's giving word pictures. He's giving word pictures. When he gives words pictures, you have to see the first part, and then you meditate and see the second part. Immediately he goes after her like or as an ox goes to the slaughter. So now I stop looking at the man because Solomon is standing up on his window. My message on this that I teach the singles, I call it a view to a kill. You know, that was the James Bond movie was a view to a kill. So he's watching this man about to be killed. 
as an ox going to the slaughter. So I stopped looking at the man and I pictured the man turning into an ox going to the slaughterhouse and she, she taking him along. And he happy about it. He happy about it. He no more smart than, than the ox is about what's about to happen when he get in that room. He think it's going to be good. He think, he think everything is everything. He think he's about to have him a good time. But the, the picture of wisdom is he's like an ox getting ready to be slaughtered. Go pick it, put it back up. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. You know, they would have a person and then they would lock you hands and feet and then they would beat you. That's what the correction of the stocks was. That's like an old, <laughs> praise God, they don't do that anymore. Hallelujah. Okay. Till an arrow struck his liver. Oh, so even though he's on the way, eventually stuff's about to start happening bad because of where he's going. As a bird hastens to the snare, as a bird about to be caught, he did not know it would cost. He did not know it would cost, verse 23, it would cost his life. Ah, so while it's looking good, everything he's doing is headed to his destruction, and he doesn't even know it. Verse 24, go ahead, John. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. He says, before, before you even get to the point where you let your feet go her path, stop letting your heart go down there. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Oh, I got to even watch. See, you ever, ever seen, now this one is talking about a foolish guy being seduced by a woman, but there is a, a female male counterpart to that. Ever seen a good girl, and it seemed like as soon as she got from under authority, why did you have to pick him out of all of the dudes to like? Before her feet went there, her heart was already going there. And so it says, don't start with your feet. It's too late when it's, you know, after midnight and you roll, you strolling by her house. It's too late then. You, you've, you've gone too far already. You're already too close to the edge. Don't even let your heart start to go in her direction. All right? Go ahead, John. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not then, don't let your heart turn aside. Then don't actually start walking or straying into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. It says um, her percentages is pretty high. I mean, her, her win-loss percentages is pretty, pretty, pretty good. So one of the things, um, there's another passage of Scripture, and I'll find it for you, and I'll present it in, in one of our next sessions, where it talks about the strange woman is, it said it's a, it's a narrow well and a deep pit. It's narrow, meaning you can't see far off how deep it is. And then once you fall in, you can't get up out of it. So it looks like, I don't look all that deep. It don't look like, it, don't, it looks harmless. It's stroking the ego, making me feel good, and it doesn't feel like it can do me any bad. But she has, she, her win loss has brought down many strong men. Go on, put it back up, John. Uh, go for, she has cast down many wounded, all who were slain by her were strong men. Okay, next one. For her house is the way to hell. Oh, Jesus. Now, when, the, when you meditate this one, or let, me, let me finish this last statement. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. Her house is the way to hell. If you saw, <laughs> you know, we used to sing a song, there's a highway to heaven, walking up the king's highway. If you saw the highway to hell, it would run right through her house. That's what that said, isn't it? Descending to the chambers of death. Now, if you meditate that long enough, no matter how much she flatter you, you will start seeing the flames coming out and you're going to run the other direction. 
Do you see how meditation is powerful? He's painted a picture, and when somebody comes fitting that picture, that picture going to rise up in your head. Now, you're going to have to make a choice. you got to choose. But if you, if you meditated enough that I'm an ox going to the slaughter, and you've seen, you've seen an ox going to the slaughter, a fool going to the stocks, a bird going into the stair, many strong men being cast down, many men being wounded, and you see flames coming out of her house, you're going to run, not walk in the opposite direction. Okay, so this is how meditation can help you to stay, to observe, to do what is right. Now, just for the sake of um, teacher completeness, I talked about the fact that there was, right, the, the, we say here the strange woman, King James, I learned it in the King James, so that's all my language is King James on, on some of this, right? New King James is just me trying to be a little bit more modern. Um, the strange woman there was a silly man or simple youth, a simple man, right? Strange woman. But then there's a strange man and a silly woman. Look at 2 Timothy 3, 5, and 6, just, just for the sake of completeness. I want the sisters to feel like I left them out. Just, you, just talk about, you just talk about the women bad. No, there's some strange men too, right? 2 Timothy 3, Five and six, having a form of godliness, but denying its power from such people turn away. For this sort are those who creep into household and make captives of gullible women. In the King James, it says silly women loaded down with sins. All right. So there are strange men um, led away by various lusts. Thank you. So. Um, so it says they creep into houses. You know, there were songs about that, creep, creep. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, that was one in the Bible. Hallelujah. It wasn't good, but it was there. Do you see it? All right. So, so this was one of the core scriptures that God taught me. He, he gave me. And then the confessions, he said, he said, make, make the confession. Wisdom is your sister. Understanding is your kinswoman. They will keep me away from the strange woman. So I said that stuff. I said it. I said, he said, say it. I put it in my mouth, right? With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. I wanted to be saved out of those situations, so I made the confession that would produce that salvation. Do you see that? Okay. Now, um, and so these were things when I was going through my times as a single person, when I was feeling some kind of way, I would pull out my scriptures and I would confess and meditate and I would say this and I would try to get my mind right. Take my cold shower curl up with a good book, right? Because I figured if I, if I got, if I studied hard, then I could, I could actually make progress towards marriage. So since that was the only way I could get this, this other desire of me taken care of, let me just work hard while I'm in school. I'm just saying that's, you can figure out how your way through it. I'm just telling you how the Lord taught me. He said, if I prepare my work and make it fit for itself in the field, I could build my house. So I wanted a house. So I said, hey, all right, let me go on and get to work. Okay. Um, and so, but there was one time I did this, and it was like, man, Lord, I know, I know this is what you're telling me, but this is not enough. And, um, and so I said, Lord, what do I do? So since I believe faith comes by hearing and hearing and speaking the word of God, I decided I would go to Song and Solomon and tell the Lord what I was looking for. And this was me as a single person. All right. So I went to this passage of scripture in Song of Solomon chapter 4. John, get this one in the King James, Song of Solomon, chapter 4, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. All right? Um, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair. Thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. Thy hair is as a flock of goats. So he's, he's giving her word pictures about herself. He's using words to create images to describe how lovely she is. I see, these are all things the Lord taught me. I didn't know how, I didn't know you were supposed to do that. I thought you got saved, you had to do that stuff. I thought only people that was, you know, you just had to tell her you like her. Honey, I love you. No, I loved all of this about you. But I didn't know that, right? But faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word, all right? That appear from Mount Gilead. Thy teeth are like a flock of sheep 
that are even strong, which came up from, from the washing, whereof everyone bears twins and none is barren among them. That meant all of her teeth were there, none were missing because they were all twins. <laughs> I'm just, listen, see, when you meditate, when you meditate, when you meditate, you get answers. God will tell you what it means. That's exactly what that says. Every teeth has its twin. Not one is missing. That's what it said. <laughs> see, <laughs> see, see, people, people, man, Pastor Dave, where you get all this stuff? I meditate the word. I just do what Joshua once said. You actually start picturing this stuff. God will show you something you didn't know before. I'm just saying. Keep going, Joshua. <laughs> Thy lips are like the thread of scarlet. <laughs> Thy speech is comely. You, 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 even, you, you even talk good. Thy temples are like, piece, pe like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. Thy neck is like the tower of David, build it for an army, whereof there hang a thousand bucklers, all shields of mighty men. You said you stand tall the way you walk. Okay, because her neck is like a tower. That means she stand tall and she walk good. He's saying everything is built. It's all put together right, man. You, I like the way you walk. I like the way you talk. I like the way you look. He's describing her hair. He's, he's being very descriptive with his words. Oh, Pastor David, you preaching good. All right, I'm going to... Uh, don't don't tell all my wives, don't worry. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get men of destiny gonna have all of this. If if your if your if yours is not here, I'm gonna get him too in Jesus' name. I'm gonna get him. Cause this is this is what we need. Okay, go on, John. Thy two breasts are like young rolls that are twins, which feed among the lilies. Keep going. Until the daybreak <laughs> and the shadow flee away, I will get me to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. So now, so now it's talking about hey. It's nighttime, all right, and I'm going to love you. And there's still, he's talking about myrrh and hill of frankincense. So the smells are right, too. So his sight, so all of the same things that we've talked about to the negative are now being talked about to the positive. Keep going. Thou art fair, my love. There is no spot in thee. I like everything about you. Okay? John Legend didn't say I like your, you know, your, your perfect imperfections, you don't have to go to hit, listen to him to figure it out. The Bible tells you you could tell your wife that. Everything about her you really love. Okay? You, you don't need nobody else to say her that. You tell her. Don't have some man out there who don't know God talking to your wife better than you do. I'm just saying. That's good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. Go on, John. Come with me from Lebanon. Oh, he's talking about taking vacations. He's talking, about, he's talking about romantic getaways because he lives at Jerusalem. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinar and Hermon, from the lion's den and from the mountain of lepers. Let's go see some stuff. Let's go some places. Let's, let's go to some vacation spots. Keep going. Thou hast ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. Now, I was making my confession. I was walking down. I was seeing all of this. Now, listen. Now, now don't judge me. I know how it is. See, see ladies feel me because they, that's why they get all them Harlequin romances. Because they have a picture. They, have, they, they see that stuff. They, they want a man that romances them. And so they go back and read the book. See, brothers, just, they just like, you know, forget the words. Just show me the picture. So they just go get them a movie. I'm preaching really, really good. It got really quiet, but I'm preaching really, really good. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So I was walking my way down through this list saying, God, yes, that's what I want. Yes, yes, yes. And then it said, my sister, my spouse. And then it's like, it was like the whole locks came down. It was like Fort Knox locked me up. And then right in that moment, just reading that word, God settled all of my physical emotions that was, that was raging in that instant because the word is graphic it's not pornographic so i recognized that as much as i was feeling i couldn't find a sister in the lord and do that to her because she was not my spouse and so remember john 17 sanctify them through thy truth Thy word is truth. So that word actually, it fits me in. After that, I was like, okay, God, I got it. I got it. I'm cool. I can, I can go back. I'm, I'm fine now. Okay. All right. 
So I, ca I then came up with this statement. Show on my last slide, John. This is a key statement here. <laughs> You'll like this. Yeah, you can quote me on this one. If you meditate, you will not fornicate or masturbate. That was, that's what I told myself. See, I got that right out of just reading that passage of Scripture. And oh, by the way, masturbation is just self-serve fornication anyway. <laughs> you can quote me on that too. All right? Woo! Yeah, I talk about that in church. Yeah, they talking about it every place else. Yeah. Okay? So when I begin to then meditate, Further, on Song of Solomon, God began to open up to me some real, some real secrets that I didn't even know. Because every word, right, every word is profitable. All scripture is profitable to, so that you can be instructed in righteousness. So that you can be completely capable to do the good works that God had created you to do. And I believe that I was called and graced by God to be a husband and that God would show me how to do the thing that he had called me to do. If I meditated it, if I put it in my mouth, I would observe and he would show me how to get it done and be good at it. Amen? All right, that's as, that's as much as I'm going to give you today. Was that good? Amen, amen. Praise God. Uh, I want to talk to those that are online. Um, I pray that the word really did bless you. Um, we, are, we are really delving in some, to some new ground here. Um, in the area of marriage and how, how, how God can do things for you in your marriage, give you insights so that you can be effective at the thing that he's called you to do. But even in this, you've learned something, some, some keys that the Lord taught me about the grace to not just be magnificently married, but how to be um, successfully single <clears throat> and not uh, do things that would mess up mess up the ministry and mess up things um, because I couldn't, I wasn't a young man who could exercise self-control. Amen. And so I pray that these scriptures and things that we share, this word that we share, bless you. If you are blessed, I'm going to challenge you to um, continue as the people that are here are doing today. Sow a seed into the word that you've heard today. Um, text NGHC to 54244 and you'll have a chance to um, just so into the word that you've heard and, and so believing, so believing. I, I, I found these scriptures and then I would pray them. I'm like, Lord, you know, I'm waiting, but as long while I'm waiting, I'm meditating and believing God that, that when my time comes, everything's going to be everything in Jesus name. And it's all going to be good. Um, I do challenge you to also, uh, please take the time and consider coming out and joining us. At our church here, if you're in the, in the Flint area or in mid-Michigan, make your way to, to Destiny Generation. Come, come have a date with Destiny and experience the difference of Destiny. We believe that what God is doing amongst us is an amazing work, and we believe that we can help you find the Destiny path of God for your life. Now, this coming Saturday is our Men of Destiny prayer from 9 to 11. We encourage you to come and be involved in that. And then this Sunday... Um, we are having our main celebration service, which occurs here at 1030 on Sunday, Sunday morning. This coming Tuesday, we won't, this next Tuesday, we'll be off. We won't have um, our service this week. Pastor David will be away um, doing some vacationing, but also connecting with some people to help us to take the ministry to the next level. So you, you get a break, but please take some time to meditate on, on the words that we've shared, and then we'll see you that following Sunday, and then that following Tuesday. Amen? God bless you. Please take the time to share the word that you've heard. If you're on Facebook, like it. Go out to our Facebook um, page, the page of Destiny Generation Church, and then tell others about the things that God is doing through you, through the word that you hear here, sharing with your network. Help us to spread the gospel of destiny to the uttermost parts of the earth. God bless you, and see you next time. Hallelujah. Praise God.